We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Did you finish Did you that? Did that? <laughs> we're, we're about halfway there. We're just saying that it's off to a nice start. Why does it have to be all or nothing all the time? Like, what am I doing? I'm doing it for the show. Field of 68 till I die. This is the Field of 68 After Dark Show, the only place that you need to be for college hoops every single night. It's the Field of 68 After Dark, Monday, February 6th edition, and we've got the two voices of After Dark here. You just heard the intro. You heard their very voices. We got Rob Doster. We got Terrence Oglesby here. My name is Greg Waddell. And gentlemen, it's been a, uh, well, quiet slate, kind of, but there's been some eye-popping results tonight. We're going to get into Duke, Miami. We're going to get into Texas and Kansas. That game is still going on as we open the show. And we had a new bracketology show today on the Field of 68 as well with a lot of takeaways we will dive into. But first, T.O., we have to acknowledge there's no Big Ten to talk about tonight. And you're our resident Big Ten. I saw some tweets. The people want Big Ten from you. I don't know that we can make that happen tonight. It's funny how the turntables. It's funny how the turntables. It's amazing. Huge huge Big East guy last year to huge Big Ten guy this year. And I am not pleased. I am not pleased with the way this day has gone. But hey, two good games tonight. Two good games. Yeah, look at you now. We have uh, plenty to dive into that is not horrible Big Ten basketball, T.O. Rob, how are you doing tonight? I see you've got a little glass there. You're ready for the cheers already. We'll save that for the end of the show, but I respect it. I get it going, man. I get it. I, that, that's the way that I bring the energy, right? T.O. always has the energy. Sometimes I need a little bit of liquid energy. Fair. Very fair. Uh, a team who could have used a little liquid energy tonight, gentlemen. How about the Duke Blue Devils, who were down 13 to 1? Three minutes into this game, you could have flipped it off right then and there. I mean, this game was not competitive. It was a turnover fest for Duke. I think I counted probably 22 times this game that Miami had at least a three-on-one break. We had guys walking back. Just ugly basketball from the Blue Devils. They looked like a team that just had their emotional climax of their season less than 36 hours ago. And they go into Miami tonight. Laranagas boys just... Blew the doors off them, as a good team should do. I'm starting to take Miami seriously as a good team. Should I do that, T.O.? Are you in on the Hurricanes again this year? First of all, excellent wording and how you did that. Emotional climax of the season. Excellent wording. Proud of you. Well done. Secondly, uh, Miami's been good all season. And the fact that Duke starts two seven-footers and uh, Norchad Ormier 
was that good and that consistent all game. That dude's a beast. He reminds me of Trevor Booker, guys. Same kind of build, big, strong, stocky body, able to finish, rebounds with the big fellas. Like, he's really, really good. But whoever decided to give Duke an at-Miami game two days after playing Duke UNC, that's messed up. And that is some bias in the ACC offices. And it needs to be addressed, world. It needs to be addressed. How do you do that to a team full of freshmen? <laughs> it's crazy. That never would have happened if Coach K was still there. No, he would have called the league office immediately. Yeah, immediately. Um, I, I, I think this is one of those ones. What do you call them in the NBA? Schedule losses? Yeah. Right? Scheduled losses. That's just one of those ones where uh, you come off of a win like you had against North Carolina. You come off of the 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 peak of what uh, college basketball is about when you play in the ACC and when you play in Chapel Hill and you play on Tobacco Road. And then you have to go on the road to take on a Miami team that has kind of found their gear and is hitting their ceiling and is playing some of the best basketball that we've seen them playing this season. It's 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 a tough ask. You know, the, the hardest thing, I think, about being a freshman is figuring out how to deal with the success, right? Understanding that just because you got this one big win, it doesn't mean that the next time you play, when it's on the road in front of a packed house, in front of all, you know a bunch of Miami Marlins players were there, uh, they're not just going to roll over, right? That is a good basketball team that had a full building that was going absolutely crazy. Jim Laranig was out there throwing his money around. Like, it's it, it was – it said a lot about Miami, but I think that it just kind of showcased – the youth of this Duke team. Well, that that was my biggest takeaway. Like I, I'm it, still, I'm still there on Duke. Like being a team that can make some noise if they get healthy. When Jeremy Roach plays well, assuming that Derek Lively keeps being the guy. That I mean, he was still pretty good defensively tonight. He didn't have a great game um, offensively, and like as a team, this was not their best performance. But he still had five blocks. He had 11 points. Like it, it's not like he played badly. They just looked like a team that was. Uh, the hangover is that probably the best way to say they had a little hey, bit of I, that's what Carolina it looked like. And guys, when you open up the first eight minutes of a game at Miami, a ranked team, a really good team, in the first seven minutes of the game, Duke missed six layups, two wide open threes, and got a non tip in called out. So basically, what did they leave on the leave on the board? Eighteen mm-hmm. points, wide open shots, layups. You got to hit those on the road, especially when some of the guys you're playing with have six and seven inch height differences, you got to finish those. And I know Omier is, is a load, but at the same time, like you got to hit those. And I, I don't know what's going on, but Filipowski will not throw the lob to Derek Lively. What did you guys see that as many times as I did? They're doing yep. some five out ball screen motion and they're kind of getting what they want. Lively's wide open. They're not throwing it. It's I, it's, I think that's I'm a not tough sure what's pass. happening. Like, the, the problem is, that, that's another just kind of this is what happens when you have freshmen, right? When it, when has yeah. Kyle Filipowski ever been asked to kind of come off of those little like four or five ball screens and throw a ball up to the rim? What has he ever no, been he, asked? No, he's like, on the reverse. He's yeah. on the reverse. So basically he's coming off a ball screen on the side at the 45. He's kicking it ahead. And on the kick ahead, you have the lob. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like when, yeah, like, when he's has not he ever been asked to throw screen, that pass, to see that pass? High low. Yeah, to understand that that's the – it's just – that, to me, that's one of those things where it's like, okay, this is something that he'll develop over the years. But I mean, they're freshmen, man. It's 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 kind of hard sometimes. Sometimes freshmen play like freshmen. To there's a reason why they say the best thing about freshmen is they become sophomores. Not those freshmen. Fair. Not those freshmen. <laughs> they don't become sophomores. I, to not- Derek Lively might. Derek Lively might become. There's sophomore. no chance. <laughs> He's combined for what 14 blocks in the past two games. 
Yeah, there's no chance. See you, buddy. There's no chance. Uh, T.O., tell me if this is a crazy take. Is this team just bad on the road? I mean, they're two and five in ACC play. Whether you want to call it inexperience, whether you want to call it, uh, I, I don't know if we were alluding to some chemistry stuff there between the front court guys. No, 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 no. That's whatever. What I'm saying. Like I'm saying, like he's just not seeing it, and, and a lot okay. goes to what Rob's saying. They're just not seeing it, and and so basically, I say all that to say this: like I still like the shots that Duke was getting. They just missed a bunch of them, and the problem is when you're a, a bunch of freshmen, you you get deflated when you miss a bunch of those layups. You get yes. deflated. Uh, I'm I'm curious to know. You said what did you say the record was on the road? Two and five on the road in ACC play. What was it with with Jeremy Roach not there? Mm, Do you have any idea? That's probably a tough tough thing to answer right away. I can dig it quickly. Just stall for me for like fifteen yeah, seconds. Yeah, I, I could probably stall. But but to me, like he's the guy that has to pick you up a little bit. And he was getting spots, but you miss layups at the beginning of the game as many as they did in the first six or seven minutes. It's going to take it out of you. But it was one. It was one and four. One and four with one and four with Roach. Only one okay. of those road games. Okay. Was so that doesn't matter necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. But, Roach and Roach and Proctor also combined to go four for thirteen from the floor with five turnovers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 10, 10 turnovers. They had five turnovers each. That's but nice. I, I, guys, as much as we're on Duke, and I, and Duke didn't play their best game, but Miami looked great. And Miami just came off. It wasn't an emotional win in the sense of, you know, Duke, UNC, obviously. But going up to Clemson, number one seed Clemson, and then winning, and then they have to go back home and, and turn it around in 48 hours. Like, you know, they slept away from the house for that one, had to come home and get ready to play. So – this Miami team, what what's made them so dangerous? And the reason I picked them in the Elite Eight and the reason they made the Elite Eight last year, I'm just going to keep throwing that in there as many times as I possibly can because that's what I'm going to do. The reason being is because Isaiah Wong can create. Nigel Pack can create. They have guards that can really make things happen. But that wasn't the case today, guys. Like, Wuga Poplar, he flourished today off of ball movement. They were running second and third side offense. And they had Duke's freshmen in a tizzy trying to get to rotations. Well, it's because they play that they, they play five out. They play five guard. Like the, their whole thing is we're gonna make it difficult for you to guard us, right? Yeah. And it also helps when the guy that hasn't hit a three-pointer all season long makes two of them. Right. That's yeah. that's always that's always a little bit of found money, a little bit of a it's like when you the first day of winter, when you reach into the pocket of your jacket and you find that twenty dollar bill, that's basically what Norchad O'Mears uh hey, can't have money, can you great? Yeah. <laughs> sure can't hide money field 68 sure. crushing it can't hide money you sure can't uh hey we got a chance to sit down with uh jim laranega tonight after the win the money man himself pulling <laughs> wads of dollar bills out of his pockets to <laughs> laugh in the face of jim Beheim as he defeats duke by oh just a simple 22 points at home tonight uh here's our interview with jim Live with Coach Jim Laranega after Miami's massive win over the Duke Blue Devils. Coach, first of all, congratulations. That had to have been a fun one for you, right? Well, I thought we played great from start to finish. We jumped out on them, got ahead like 13 to 1. Uh, there were several timeouts uh, that, that I was concerned that we had exhausted ourselves in the first half and would have no energy left for the second half. But sure enough, we came out in the second half and built up the lead again and extended it into the 20s. Coach, Norchad Ormir, I, I mean, I, I was wondering how he was going to fit in after you lost Sam Wardenberg, like that kind of that inside out kind of mostly outside kind of guy. But Omir, he's knocking down threes. He's so physically strong. And against a team with a bunch of seven footers, my man was 
playing amazing, just so physically strong. What does he bring to your team? Uh, well, those are the first two threes that he's made this season. <laughs> <I know>. <laughs> <laughs> what a great time to have him. It's not, it's not like he's looking for that shot all the time. But what he is looking for and what he does is he is a massive rebounder. He goes after every missed shot offensively, defensively, and he plays very, very big. He's only 6'7", weighs about 245. He has an incredible uh, vertical leap. He's got long arms, big hands, catches everything. And, and for him, these are all major challenges. you got to remember, he played at Arkansas State the first two years. So coming into the ACC, he had not faced, you know, two seven-footers in the starting lineup in his previous two seasons. So right. this is very new for him, and he's made a tremendous adjustment. But the biggest thing you have to know about him, he is the nicest kid with the greatest personality. He's got so much energy. The coaches love him, his teammates love him, and the fans love him. Now that he's hit two threes, how many does he get to miss before you tell him to stop shooting? <laughs> no, I... Hey, I, we have a very simple rule. Uh, if, if you if you can can uh, make a three, then look for another one. But if you start missing, you miss one or two, you know, uh, start looking for more inside baskets. All right. I got to ask you about my guy, Wuga Poplar. I live outside of Philly. He's a Philly kid. Um, he had 14 points tonight. He when when he gets going, he it feels like he brings a different dynamic. Everyone knows about Nigel. Everyone knows about Isaiah Wong. Everybody should know about Jordan Miller at this point, but who was just kind of there? This guy can go get your 14, 15, 18 when you, when you need those points. Okay. I absolutely love Wooga. I love the progress that he's making. Uh, I talk to him all the time. I send him videos all the time about the things that he should be simulating. Like I sent him a, a, a video of Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant's turnaround jumper. He hasn't gotten that in his game yet. But I showed him how, how to shoot pull-up jumpers. His pull-up jumper is probably the, the greatest shot, not only that he has, but that anybody on our team can make because he makes it at such a high level if he stays on balance. If he rushes, he's going to miss. If he dribbles too much, he's going to miss. But if he takes it one, two dribbles right or left and elevates, it's dynamic. And, and you see his elevation in the open court. The guy can jump out of the gym and throw it down with power. So I feel like this speaks to how many guys had moments for you in this game. I mean, Hurricanes fans are probably ecstatic with this, but I have another guy I want to ask you about. Nigel Pack tonight, not the most stat-stuffing offensive night we've seen from him, but he gets up, he has the tip slam. It looked like your entire bench was about to have a heart attack. Did you know that Nigel <laughs> had that in him? No, no, I haven't seen that. Neither did any of his teammates. So for him to do that in a game like this with the crowd, he was pumped up. He elevated and threw it down. That'll be talked about for the next two days. Coach, I got to ask you, because I don't know if you know this yet, but they caught you on camera pregame taking a money clip out of one pocket and then putting it in the other pocket. Was that just an accident or was that a little hat tip to Jim Behan? Are you kidding yeah, they got you on TV doing that. Okay. Man. So here's what everybody needs to understand. My routines are exactly the same every single day. In that case, I have 10 uh, Luden's wild cherry cough drops in my right pocket. And I've got my money cash 
in my left pocket. And I don't think I changed changed pockets. What I had to do is I, I, I had to uh, find uh, a note I had made to myself in my left pocket. So I took the money out and got the note, read it, put the money back and the note back, and then I was off. That was it. Did they show me rebounding in the locker room? No. <laughs> well, uh, now that we know your routine, uh, T.O., I think is probably going to pick you back to the Elite Eight again now that he's seen this and that's going so well for you, Coach. Uh, congratulations again on the huge win. We'll be watching you the rest of the year. We wish you the best of luck in this ACC race down the stretch. My, my pleasure, guys. That was a fun interview, boys. I mean, we've done quite a few of those on this network this year. Uh, I didn't really know what to expect. I haven't listened to too many Jim Laranega interviews in my time. Great interview from a great guy, a great coach, who is really the man of the night, I would say, in the sport tonight. T.R., are you going to pick these guys back to the Elite Eight? That's the question everyone wants to know. It, it all depends on seeding. But this year, there's just so many different teams. They, they, they have guys. And I, I was curious how Omier was going to fit. But just because he's a little undersized, he overwhelmed people physically at his last spot. It's it's possible they could make another run. They're that good, especially when they move the ball like they did. Muga Poplar, like he has developed. The potential was always there. Now Larinaga is starting to trust him, and buddy, he's good. the The real answer to that question is whether or not To is going to go to sleep before he has to do the selection show. Because if he does it on zero hours of sleep, then who knows what's going to happen? Because he's sitting here bragging about this. I promise you, he woke I up. I would have done that anyway. He's like, who Who did I pick where? What happened? Do I have to remember this now? Because remember, we came, you you had a, we finished a show at 3.30. And you had a flight at what, five out of uh, out of LaGuardia? Something. something like that, yeah. That was a mistake. <laughs> that was a mistake. I would have picked Miami anyway. Guards that create, man. They win in the tournament because everything breaks down. Listen, T.O. is a lot like me with my bets. You only hear about the ones I win. You don't hear about the ones <laughs> I lose too much. Uh, but I can't wait to see your bracket this year. I'll say that, T.O. All right, we're going to head to break here as this Kansas-Texas game wraps down. Coming up, we will break down what looks like it will be a Jayhawks victory. That's next on After Dark. Pretty clear. All right, Trevor, do we got any questions cooking in the chat right now? I got to be honest, the chat's at about a C- minus right now in terms of uh, questions. Ooh, get them, Trev. I'll ask this one from Brady. If Georgia Tech were to open up, who do you guys think would be a good candidate? I know who you think, T.O. You going to say it? If it were to open up? Yeah. Uh, Bob Ritchie would be good, Doc. There you go. Bob Ritchie would be good there. Furman's I would uh, I would take a long look at my man down at Tulane, Ron Hunter. I think that uh, he'd be able to get people from the city of Atlanta. I think that he uh, he is a guy that will re-energize that program. I think the one thing that you can say about Ron Hunter is he's always going to bring the energy. Um, and being able to uh, win, he's not like they're not winning at a high high level at Tulane right now. But it's not like they've ever won at a high level at Tulane, and he's gotten some dudes in, and you know the ones that haven't been uh, arrested for thirty seconds under a pretty good job. I mean, small sample size, right? Yeah. 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 Rob Uli wants to know your thoughts on five Big East teams being ranked. They deserve it. Best top five in America. 
You want the proof? You want the proof? If you look at efficiency margins, you know who the nope. worst team in the Big East has been Ten this seconds. season? Butler. Ooh. You know who Butler beat? There you State. go. Three. It's the field of 68 after dark, and the Jayhawks are about to secure a victory, barring a miracle here. Uh, as we speak right this second, 86 to 80, 18 seconds left on the clock. Grady Dick is at the free throw line, uh, and he makes the second. That's a three-possession game, gentlemen. Good game for Kansas here, especially given the fact that Jalen Wilson has not been nearly the superstar offensively that he has been all season. Rob, if you would have told us prior to this game, Jalen Wilson's going to have two points with a minute left in this game. You think Texas wins that going away, right? Yeah, I think they win by 50. That's what I, that, that's what my guess would have been. Um, but it goes to show you the importance of what Kansas can be when they actually get guys around him when he gets some support when you have things like Grady Dick making a couple three-pointers and making some shots off the bounce when you have things like um Dewan Harris being a threat offensively being a threat off the dribble uh being somebody that can get out and transition and make a play when you got someone like Joseph Yesifu coming off the bench like and it's not even like a ton of this stuff was done um done just in the half court like they were getting out in transition they played really well defensively like it just it was a really impressive all-around team performance from Kansas. And it's something that we really not have not seen from this group to yo over the course of like the last three weeks, like it's kind of been the Jalen Wilson show and you hope you get enough from the other guys to be able to squeak out a win when he drops 38, right? Yeah. Two tonight. They put one, two, three, four, five guys in double figures. That's impressive. Yeah. And your first team, all American scores too. That's the crazy part. Dewan Harris is really good. He didn't make the top 10 Koozie uh, Award finalists. I think he's one of the most underrated players in college basketball. He just does winning stuff constantly. That's all he does is winning things. He play, he guards like all hell. He uses pick and rolls. He doesn't force the issue. And, guys, he looks like he weighs about a buck 65. It's amazing to me that he guards as well as he does at his size. And he just continues to do winning things. When he's not good, Kansas struggles. When he's really good, everybody's orchestrating around him. And when he's hitting shots, I mean, even with Jalen Wilson playing bad, you can forget it because it just opens the floor up that much more. And he's a stat sheet stuffer. 17, 6, and 5 tonight in 34 minutes. Uh, he's that guy for Kansas that's inexpendable. You have to have him on the floor uh, at the end of games, and you have to have him playing well. When that's the case, Kansas is good, guys. And if Texas doesn't turn the ball over in the first half, I think Texas actually wins this game. That first half was brutal. And they kept giving Kansas points off turnovers, getting out and running. When Texas set their defense, I thought they were solid. For the most part, I thought they were solid. Yeah. So Marcus Carr finished with 29. And I swear yes. in the first half, I was like, this this dude, what is he doing? You know, we talked about him. I think it was with you, Greg. Did we talk about, like, Marcus Carr's having legit, like, a top 10, top five point guard kind of a season this year? Um he had 29 tonight. He was horrible in the first half. And part of the reason they got down as big as they did is because he kept – there was one time he stepped over the inbounds line when he was trying to inbound a basketball. There was another one when someone inbounded the ball to him and the defender was right there and it kind of took him by surprise and he traveled. Like, it was just kind of dumb, avoidable mistakes that he was making. Um, there was another one he walked in the half court. It just he, he, he made some plays in the second half, but when you're trying to come back from 12 down, 
against Kansas. Like, look, I, this is what Texas does, right? They dug themselves. They were down 18 at home to TCU. They won that game. They were down by 12 at home to Texas Tech. They won that game. They were down by 14 at Kansas State on Saturday, and they came back and won that game. But you're not going to – you can't dig yourself a hole at Kansas and expect to come back. It's just you're playing with fire there. Yeah. yeah. He's like the inverse of Harris in a weird way. Marcus Carr is, right? Like, he could go get you 30 on a lot of nights, and sometimes it's he's playing great and gets you 30, but sometimes – it's a 30 and he didn't play that great. Whereas Harris, like he could have nights where he scores two points and he plays great basketball, but they do different things. Uh, I will make a point on Harris though. Cause I criticized him a lot preseason. Just like, I think this team is going to need more from him offensively to reach the heights that last year's version did given the departures in their losses that uh, the four losses they've had in the last couple of weeks, he had seven points total in those mm-hmm. four games. And then tonight, yeah. Um, he leads the team in shots. Clearly, he's capable against big-time opponents like Texas is. That was the first-place team in the Big 12 tonight. So if they can get that more consistently from him, I'm all the way in on this Kansas team. If they don't, I still think it's a pretty big burden I, I think on it's Jaylen a confidence Wilson. thing with him. Like We see it a little bit with Andre Jackson, right? There, there's something that kind of messes with your head if you're a player and people don't guard you, right? If the If the other team kind of says, like, look, we're better off not playing defense on you and letting you do whatever you want to do than we are playing defense on you. Right. And that's when you're playing guys, it ruins guys. Yes. Like we saw with Dewan Harris, we've seen it with Andre Jackson, seen with Aaron Thompson at Butler a couple of years, like that Ben, like Ben Simmons. That's how how, that's it's in that, that dude's not dunking the ball anymore. Giving passing up wide open dunks. Yeah, yeah you know? totally different. Also, I just want to reset real quickly. Welcome to any listeners that we have on Sirius XM channel 84. You are listening to the Field of 68 After Dark brought to you by Bet Rivers. We got Rob Doster, Terrence Oglesby. My name is Greg Waddell here. We are talking Kansas, Texas as the Jayhawks secure the victory. Uh, this is a big one as far as uh, not even momentum, but just numbers in the Big 12 race. If Texas was to go on the road and get this victory and hold a one-game lead over Iowa State, but a two-game lead over everybody else that matters, and a three-game lead in the loss column over Kansas, all of a sudden you can start seeing the light at the end of the tunnel there if you're the Longhorns to winning this conference. Now, that group of six teams at the top that I've just called a chaotic mess, I mean, everybody's within a game from each other still at this point. Texas and Iowa State with three losses in the conference. Kansas, TCU, Kansas State, Baylor, all with four losses. Let's flip to the Texas side of this for a second, guys, because – Uh, I have been blown away recently watching Texas compared to the first month of the season by one major change. Where has Tyrese Hunter gone? I mean, I I genuinely thought he was their best player the first three weeks of the season. I thought he was going to be a potential first-team All-American after a few of those games. He has been so much less involved than I envisioned he would be when he transferred over to Texas this season. Rob, what do you make of that? Uh, it's been Serge Jabari Rice stepping up and being a difference yep. maker. You know, Marcus Carr, we, we talked about how great Marcus Carr has been. Serge Jabari Rice is a fifth-year senior that won at New Mexico State, that won when he was in high school, um, that can play. He's a little bit of a better shooter, can play a little Best bit. Best shot fake yeah. in college basketball. Hey, listen, he got that from Sam Young, okay? Sam Young walked so Serge Jabari Rice could thrive. Sam right? Young played Put college basketball Put some respect on Sam Young's name. Pitt. You don't even know if he was alive. You don't even know if he was alive. You're showing your age, sir. Sam Young was drafted when? 2006? Pitt legend, Sam Young. 
Um, no, but it's it's because it's because of Serge Barry Rice's um, kind of emergence as the secondary guy in the backcourt. I think it has less to do with what Tyrese Hunter has been and more to do with the fact that he's just kind of gotten outplayed, you know? And um, I do think that that Hunter has been fine in spurts. Um, and I do think there is something to say about bringing a guy off the bench that can kind of be your energy guy that can kind of be your um, microwave score. And I think that's the role that, that, that Rice yeah. has kind of embraced. Also, his name is Serge Abari. Like, you just know he's going to go out there and get a bucket, right? <laughs> All-name team. All-name yes. team, for sure. Uh, it, it has been the emergence of Serge Abari Rice. That's the big thing. They're looking for him to create something, and that shot fake creates a lot of things. It, it's amazing. It looks like that thing belongs at Church League with me on Sundays, and I'm going to use it next time I play. I, I'm going to miss the next couple games. I'm out. Got to have to work a little bit, but our team's going to stay strong. Clemson Presbyterian, what's up? So, and then on top of that, he he's more naturally a point guard anyway. And Marcus Carr has the ball in his hands. And I and if you look at the game tonight, in my humble opinion, and we all know it doesn't, it's not worth much, especially to some pundits. In my humble opinion, <laughs> in the first half, Marcus Carr was thinking too much. He was trying to be a point guard's point guard. In the second half, he got back to who he was. Right. He wasn't trying to create for anybody else. He was focused on being a bucket. That was the biggest difference between good Marcus Carr and wildly mediocre Marcus Carr. Second half, he was eight of 16. He got rocks up in the last 20 minutes. That's where he's most comfortable being that guy. And to be honest with you, if Marcus Carr is that guy in the first half, like they were when we went down to watch them play in Gonzaga, Rob, mm -hmm. like, then what happens is it closes up on him by the time halftime comes around, and then Tyrese Hunter can get going because he's somebody who's going to let the ball come to him. Serge Barry Rice, that ball moves, that ball needs to come to him a little bit. He can create, sure, but I feel like Tyrese Hunter's a flow of the offense guy right now. I think he's fully capable of doing things on his own, but for this team, he's a flow of the offense guy. Maybe you need that Marcus Carr in the first half as opposed to the second, and then you don't the, turn the ball over. The one and thing then I will that's your defense on the other end. The, the one thing I will say to that is. I do think there's something to be said with some of the defensive issues that Texas has had in recent weeks. Like if you look at what the, the, the schedule they had um, their last four games, it was at Tennessee home for Baylor at Kansas state at Kansas. If you go two and two in that stretch, you're like, you came out with a win. I don't know how much more you could ask than going two for two and uh, two and two in that stretch. Um, but you gave up 88 points to Kansas tonight. You gave up 82 points to a Tennessee team. That is, uh, I think it's fair to say, abysmal on the offensive end of the floor. Um, you need to start tightening it up on that end. And I think that getting more minutes from Tyrese Hunter is something that might be able to help there a little bit. Because he's really, uh, who else on that team would you look at and say, okay, that's someone that can lock up. That's someone that I'm going to trust that can guard. Dylan Mitchell, yes. But Dylan Mitchell is more of like a, he's less a, we're going to put him on somebody to shut him down. And more of like, he's going to be a good team, rotational, weak side, playmaking kind of defender, right? Who who are you guys? Who are the guys on there that you trust to just go get a stop for you? To, that you could put on someone and say, "I need you to win this battle defensively," and then go win it for you. They don't have a ton of them. No, no, no. I but think I think team defense wise, they've been pretty good. Mm -hmm. I mean, what are they on Kempon? They can't be too low. I, I mean, they're they, going to drop out of like the top like, are three, twenty seven, twenty seven. I mean, do they have four giving up eighty eight to Kansas? But yes, to your point, they've been fine. But yeah. if we're talking about like they're. I'm not worried about them offensively. I'm worried about 
are they going to be able to get enough? Like, I just see the 82 points that they gave up to Tennessee, and that's just like a huge red flag. You know, I've watched but that, too but much. Also, you look at who scored for Kansas today. Like, have they done that consistently? So, like, Joseph Yesifu, has he been that dude all year? Dewan Harris, has he been that kind of dude all year? Not a scoring way, but he's no. They've been else. they've been they've been bad, and then all I had to do was face the, this Texas defense, and all of a sudden they found a way to get going. You could you could say, but I'm just saying if, go, you, if you follow your scout and if guys you want to go, go nuts, spin zone on it. this, to if you want to go spin zone on this, if you want to think outside the box here, a little galaxy brain, Texas just fixed Kansas. That's such a spin zone that hurts. <laughs> I don't think I like that at all. I'm not even going to address that nonsense. Oh, yeah, I, on, I, I don't like that at all. <laughs> um, so we're later in the show, we're going to play uh, a little game of who's the worst team that you can see making a final four. Neither one of these two teams will qualify for that game because both of these teams are far too good to consider them bad enough to be the worst team that could make the final four. With that said, if you had to pick one of these two teams in March, who are you more confident in will make a deep run? Let's start with you, Rob, and then I want your answer too, Tio. Whoever is coached by Bill Self. That's just it across the board. You told me that last night too. That's yes. just the, yes. okay. So say like say we talk. say we threw that roster out, right? Say we just grabbed any other. T- take UConn's roster and give him Bill Self as a coach. Your answer is still Bill Self. It, it... <laughs> Yeah. Careful, Rob. Yeah. <laughs> I, I almost I almost went there. I'm not going to do it. Yes. <laughs> I thought I could get you. I really did think I could get you. All right, T.O., what's your answer? Uh, Kansas. Kansas, because they're playing so spread. Like, uh, the, every the, the lane is wide open. Uh, Ernest Uday is like, he's developed. He caught a couple of lobs today where I felt like, hey, man, that's pretty impressive. Um, yeah, I mean, it, they just, with Jalen Wilson playing poorly and they still had other guys step up, I mean, that's got to be a huge confidence booster. I, I would pick them just because Bill Self's over there and they're playing so wide open and they have a definitive go-to guy at the end of games in Jalen Wilson. Even though he wasn't great tonight, he's still capable of big nights on a big stage against a really good team. So I would go Kansas. Can I flip this yeah. back to you, Greg? Sure. Out of anyone in the Big 12, you can pick anyone of the Big 12 make the final four but you got to put it all on it yeah i'm going baylor i've been pretty steady with that i'm gonna trust that team in march especially with jtt back Mm -hmm. i still like i look i was wrong about kansas preseason i said they would not be a national contender hands up totally wrong that's me i still think some of the flaws i called out preseason are still here like i think they're losing games when their point guard scores two points or less and that's happened four times in the last three weeks like yeah. it's great when he goes for 18, but that that needs to happen six times in a row when the NCAA tournament gets here. Yeah, they have so. all these flaws, right? They have all these flaws. Everyone knows about them. Sometimes you can exploit them. Most times you cannot. I wonder why that is. Okay. Why do you, why do you think that is? <laughs> right. Is there a reason why you think that could be happening? No comment. Yeah, there you go. Hey, you know what no else comment. you said in the preseason? Remember when you said that Pete Nance was going to be better than Drew Timmy? All right, and on that note, it's a great (laughs) time to go to break. Uh, It's it's a great time to go to break. Coming up on the field of 68 after dark, our bracketology show happens today. That's the only thing that happened in the last six months that we need to talk about. That's next on the field of 68 after dark. You're clear. That was not the take. You said Pete Nance was going to be better than Drew Timmy. That was not the take. My exact words. And here I am getting ridiculed. I'm getting Listen ridiculed for saying if he played in the SEC, he'd be Tolu Smith. Listen to me. First of all, 
They're not using my guy Pete correctly over there at Carolina. Okay? He's a stretch five. He is not a stretch four. He's a playmaking five. That doesn't work with whatever Carolina's trying to do. With two guards that want to take 31 shots a game that may or may not like each other for some some things off the court right now. And a center that wants to do. I'm just saying, there's a lot going on with that team where Pete Nance might exactly not fit in. The I'll take tell you after the show, T.O. I'll the, tell you after the show on that one. The, the take was if I'm I've been told Gonzaga, by pundits. if I am Gonzaga, I want Pete Nance instead of Drew Timmy in the NCAA tournament. I have a better chance to win games with that. If you replace if you're him, If you're Gonzaga, you want Pete Nance instead of Drew Timmy? In the NCAA tournament, I have a better chance of winning a national title if you put Pete Nance in Drew Timmy's shoes. Yes, that's the take. I stand by that. 30 seconds. How quick can we sub in a new host? I stand by it, man. Trevor, by Trevor, it. rip off the warm-ups. Let's go. Kevin Pono. Listen, tag me. Hit the like button if you don't agree with what he's saying. We know how a hit Drew the Timmy like team sees it. Hit the like button. Hit the it like ends button. with something with good guards cooking him in pick and rolls. That's how it's going to end. We know that. We don't know how a team with Pete Nance. There we go. Four, three. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I can't tell if I'm just hearing things or not, but I'm pretty sure I just heard a child crying in the background somewhere. Hopefully it wasn't at my... Pete Nance drew Timmy take that was discussed on the YouTube channel right now, live on the field of 68 yeah, after Pete dark. Nance did a bang up job at Northwestern and you want to put him over there at Gonzaga. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Let's not talk about that. T.O. We have more to get to tonight. That was Terrence Oglesby. I'm just not roasting me right now. One, uh, this so Greg, was here, here's Greg's take. Here's Greg's take. We're going to have to, we're going to go live with this. T.O. Yes, on. we are. So, yes, we so are. here's Greg. He, he thinks that Pete Nance, if you flipped him with Drew Timmy, Gonzaga would have more success. Is that what you're telling me right now? I said in a win or go home situation, if I am Gonzaga with all these young guards with this new roster this year, I would rather have Pete Nance than Drew Timmy in a win or go home, win six straight games or go home situation. Yes. That's let me the make only a counterpoint. Let me make it feel like I'm taking crazy pills. Let me, let me make a counterpoint. Northwestern last year with the same backcourt that has them in contention for the NCAA tournament this season with Pete Nance went 15 and 16. This year, they already have a better record than that. This year, they're going to end up with a winning record. 
because Pete Nance isn't there. But you put him on Gonzaga, and all of a sudden they're going to win the national title. Was he the missing piece? If we had put Pete Nance on the 2021 team, would they go undefeated? Is that what it was? Rob, all what, you're missing is Pete Nance. You said you said they were 15 and 16 last year. That was the number, and they're yes. they're what 16 and seven this year. 16 and seven this year. They might yeah. end up 16 and 15. Rob, let me just say that. Like, <laughs> look, give them credit. They've gotten better. Uh, if you want to go the toxic Ewing theory route, I'd point my fingers at Ryan Young before I would point them at P. Dance. But <laughs> no neck, me. Ryan Young. Can we move on, please? So you're Can saying the revisit- missing piece for Nolan Hickman. Is a little Pete Nansen. No, I'm, I'm, oh my God. I can't believe I'm actually letting you guys do this to me right now. I'm saying we like drew Timmy's one fatal flaw. Forget the the pointing at the mustache. Greg, can I, can I ask you a question, Greg? I have have a serious question. I have a serious question. Um, What? All right. So (laughs) don't you, don't you do that, Greg? You dug this hole. I'm sick of this hole. So, so the Philadelphia 76ers, right? We know how good they are with Joel Embiid. They got James Harden. Tyrese Maxey has been great. Do you think if they just drafted Pete Nance, then all of a sudden they're going to be the new uh, Golden State Warriors? Like, is that all it's going to take to make them be a dynasty? No, it is not. Pete Nance (laughs) has been awful this year, to be very clear. That's true. That's accurate. Just right, wait till I got March, nothing. You got anything else, T.O.? You got anything else in the holster for this? I need a nap. I, I need to go sleep. I, I can't believe I'm inter- even entertaining this right now. This is crazy. All right, sorry. What was in the third section? What are we talking about? What were we, what were we supposed to talk about, Greg? I just deleted everything in it, and I just added Pete Nance's career stats for you guys. Uh, all right, let's... Let's try to move on, I guess. Uh, I don't oh, even, no. I hope that at the very least, like, I hope the chat's roasting me. I can take that more than oh, I can take the two of you are. roasting me right now. Yeah, they're good. Okay. <laughs> Lovely. Lovely. Uh, so fielding the 68, it's our bracketology show. Don't worry. I don't provide analysis on that. Okay. Uh, they it had a new episode today, 5 p.m. Eastern, Monday and Friday. You can watch that on the field of 68 YouTube channel. We got some of the best bracketologists in the game. And our consensus bracket today, gentlemen, has both North Carolina and Kentucky in the last four in. It's a pretty exciting potential first four play-in games in Dayton. Uh, How surprising is that to you guys at this point? Obviously, Carolina's coming off the Duke loss. That's not great. They were underdogs in that game. Kentucky's had a bunch of downs and maybe a few ups over the last month. But do you think both these teams will remain in this section? Or is this like the low point before the rise and they end up comfortably in? T.O., what do you think? Uh, guys, there's no bubble with Carolina and Kentucky. They either have to be so bad you have to make them miss the tournament or they're in the tournament. There's no bubble. Both of those teams are getting in the tournament if it started today. No questions asked. And they might actually get, a, get like a six or a seven seed. <laughs> because those teams are getting in. They are all the way out or all the way in. There is no bubble. I'm sorry. Today no, they I, are I, getting I actually I actually huge agree with ten- huge huge win at Tennessee, probably one of the more impressive wins so far this season at Tennessee. And then Carolina, I mean guys, they haven't been outside of a two week stretch at the end of November, like they haven't been that horrible. Like well, here's, here's the problem fun. with here's the problem with North Carolina, and this is what I didn't really realize until I dug into it for this exact segment is that they don't have any good wins. No, they, they haven't don't. beaten anybody this year. Everybody worth a shit that they've played this season, they've lost to, and it's been close losses and it's been competitive losses. It was a five point loss to Iowa State. It was a, a four overtime loss to Alabama. 
They lost by eight to Virginia Tech. They lost by 12 at Indiana, but that was a little bit closer than a 12-point game. Two at Pitt, uh, seven at UVA, which was basically a one-possession game. But they lost by one at home to Pitt. They lost by six at Duke, which was basically a one-possession game, right? Problem and after right every now, one of those losses, after everyone, they they rose in the net. Yeah, because well, nobody here, knows what's <laughs> happening in the net. Yeah, all right, forget the net. Forget the net. Okay. All right, sorry. Do you know who their best win is right now by all the metrics? NC Ohio State. State. Ohio oh. State is their one quad one win right now because they beat them on a neutral court and they were ranked forty second in the net right now. Right after that, it's like Michigan. Who's not going to make the NCAA tournament? Sorry, grade. Hey, and then, and then NC State at home. Those are their wins. That's what they have right now. Now, keep in mind, this is what they play the rest of the season. They're at Wake, which is a quad one game. They get Clemson at home, quad two game. They get Miami at home, quad two game. Might end up being a quad one game depending on how, depending on how things break out. At NC State, quad one. Virginia at home, quad one. Duke at home, quad one. So they got a ton of opportunities. Same thing with Kentucky. But Kentucky's in a little bit of a different situation because they have a great win and they also have a horrific loss and like nothing in between. They've accomplished nothing in between. But again, they get Arkansas, Tennessee at Florida, Auburn at Mississippi State at Arkansas down the stretch of the season. So like they're going to have their opportunities. They're going to have chances to improve their resume. And if they don't, then they're going to end up probably being like a playing game team unless it's so incredibly obvious that they shouldn't be in the dance that they can't get in. But I'm with T.O. on this. Remember in 2021 when no one thought that UCLA was going to end up being good enough and no one really thought Michigan State was going to end up being good enough and the committee just kind of said, hey, you know what, fuck it. Let's put them in the playing game. Let's make people care about Dayton. They ended up going to overtime. They had a great game. It was the highest rated game that we've seen uh, in Dayton to date. Imagine what would happen if you put Kentucky and North Carolina in Dayton with North Carolina coming off of that run, preseason number one team, and maybe possibly the last game that we're ever going to see Coach Cal coach at Kentucky, and you put that in Dayton in the first four as the first game you play in the NCAA tournament? I think people would like that. I think people would tune in and watch. I'm not mad at So that. it's all rigged. That's what you're saying, Rob. I'm just – no, what I'm saying is that there are – 12 hey, we're, we're naive beings. to think that it's not a money-making endeavor here. Greg. Yes, there are 12 human beings in that room that are making these decisions, right? That That's my biggest thing with all of this, is that um, you think that everything is just so perfectly lined up with the net and with these metrics and all this. It's just a bunch not of dudes in a room like us making a decision. It just so well, happens that, that they happen to have that, higher liberal degrees and a certain salary. They're, they're maybe not they dudes work like for us, a school bro. or a Come conference on. or whatever, right? <laughs> they got a bunch of people in a room making a decision. And they probably argue just as much as we do, just, you know, maybe with a little bit less of the brown water. Yeah, you you heard it here first. The people that uh, put the formal bracket together in March is just a bunch of dudes in a room who think that Gonzaga would be better with Pete Nance than Drew Timmy. That is exactly <laughs> what is happening in this sport right now. Uh, both these teams are going to get in. And I, I, I don't know that it's a money grab. If you want to call it that, fine. I just think both teams are good enough to get in and are going to get in. Like I, I agree there. I agree we may there. we may you say that right be? now. Can I go back at our fielding the sixty eight guys? Maybe sure. I'm going to regret this, but I'm sure. How do they have Texas A and M anywhere close right now? Like, how are they in the conversation? Split decision doing? there, by the way, from the judges. We had a, a divisive analysis on Texas A and M today. Not everybody had them in. No, I yeah, I saw it. Like, I I listened to it. I, I watched the show. Believe it or not, Greg, even though you're hosting it. Um, <laughs> I know they got two quad one wins. I know they got two quad two wins, which is actually pretty good if you're talking about teams kind of on the bubble in the cut line range. 
but they've lost to Murray State on a neutral. They got smacked at home by Wofford. They got a quad three and a quad four loss. It's not like they have a ton of great like wins that are just going to be completely eye-popping and blow you away. Like they beat Auburn, Florida twice in Missouri. What like what what are what what have they done that has been that's super impressive? Like, that's I think nothing. it's the road wins. To add yeah, Florida but, add Auburn. Great. Okay, I mean, great. You beat Florida on the road before Florida figured it out. You beat Auburn on the road, who um, you know, is is a shell of what we normally expect Auburn to be. It's just uh, whatever. Yeah, but I think so much of this they got from, a great net though, TO. So much of this from what I've heard from the people who are way smarter than me is it's who have you beaten? Like when you're comparing the the resumes of teams that are all in the same bucket, like you just said it. We go through Kentucky and UNC schedule. Like Ohio State being North Carolina's only win is horrendous. Mm-hmm. When you can point to at Auburn at Florida, like that's definitely worth a leg up there. Mm-hmm. I think Kentucky, like that Tennessee win is really going to matter. T.O., I want to ask you this before we move on. We're going to break in just a second here. But um, your own Clemson Tigers would be the last team in the field if they do not win the ACC auto bid. That hurts your soul. I can see it in your eyes. Do you disagree that that should be the case? You know what? My only disagreement would be if you went, if you're in that 13, 14, 15 win range in the ACC, like you should be in. I understand the ACC is not as good as what it used to be. I understand that. I'm not denying that. It is what it is. That being said, if you're in the top three or four in a power six conference, like I, I believe you should be in. I mean, except for the Pac 12, which has three teams and everybody else. The only thing that. I mostly agree with you. The only problem is that the there's so much dreck at the bottom of the ACC. Like you could go 13 and seven and have seven of those wins over Notre Dame, Georgia Tech, Boston College, Louisville, Florida State. Like it just it's it, there's not it's the unbalanced schedules that kind of mess everything up. And I actually think if we're just talking about what they are on paper, that Clemson is like without a doubt in my mind like one of the top 35 teams in America right now. Well, they've is, lost two in a row. Yeah. Well, the, the the problem is you can't ignore the fact that they got smacked around by a Loyola Chicago team that's in last place in the Atlantic 10 and, and a not good Atlantic 10. Um, and they lost to South Carolina, which. Yeah, that South know, Carolina one's really going to come back to bite them because mm-hmm. it, I talked to Brad at the beginning of the season. He's like, yeah, I just I'm worried about this one because PJ's not healthy yet all the way. And. Well, he's got to play that up. He's got to play that up. Be like, yeah, yeah, PJ's not going to do that, though. You know, Brad. <laughs> then you got to do it, man. Like, he look, needs you got to fight for your like, boys. Hey, man, we were healthy at the beginning of the year. PJ Hall's a big piece to our puzzle. <laughs> like, we hey, look, you got to pump good. that he out. He still there. played, but he wasn't, he was at 60%. Like, but that's the one that so, killed No, no. Him. No, in all, in all seriousness, I'm not even joking about this. If you, if you start pushing that narrative and it gets to the point where it's like in people's heads, and it becomes one of the things that they say. It's like, you know, Clemson had this loss, but P.J. Hall wasn't right. Like, we can overlook that one a little bit. That becomes something that that changes the way that people are going to view it. And if you have changing the way that people are going to view it, and you have changing the way that the human beings in that room that are just picking names and putting them into the bracket, like, that stuff matters. Well, that's why you always see these coaches get out on TV and push what they have. Why – in the during the conference tournament, after somebody wins a game, they're in the press conference saying, "We have this many quad one wins. We have this. We have that." Because if you could push that narrative, and you get your people to push that narrative, and then you get the media to push that narrative, it changes how it's kind of viewed. You know what I mean? Like it becomes groupthink, 
And if you can make the group think be something positive for your team, then that's going to help. Like there's no I say way all he can that. hurt. I say all that. I say all that. He was on a minutes restriction. He played 20 minutes. He still ended up with 15 and five. And that he was on a minutes restriction. So if he plays that another man. 15 minutes, who knows what he hits? They, uh, they T.O. is also our resident Big Ten guy. I'll just add uh, some hashtag Big Ten analysis here. I think one thing that hurts your case, T.O., for uh, any team that finishes top four in a power conference this year, specific to the ACC, there's five teams in the ACC that are 100 spots lower on Ken Palm than Nebraska. Like, if you just replaced four of those teams with Nebraska – like that probably helps the metrics a ton, number one, but two affords them the ability to lose one or two of those games. Like that's going to come back to bite a team like Clemson that they have that loss. Stop it, T.O. You want to tell our listeners on Sirius XM channel 84 exactly what's going on here, Mr. Oglesby? Yeah, we got a break. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to break right now. Uh, coming up, I'm going to force these guys to tell me the worst team in college basketball that can make the final four this season. That's next on After Dark. Thanks, Tio. You're clear. <laughs> hey, we're going to go commercial, commercial right there. Dude. <laughs> you're gonna have, we're going to have to hurry. <laughs> I told you it's five minutes. Hey, the, the Pete Nance take it sent you for a loop. We wasted we wasted seven minutes of that. Of wasted? That wasted? That was the best part of our show. <laughs> Questions right. in the chat. Thanks, Tio. Look at Tio just running everything right now. Uh, who has been the most impactful transfer addition this season? That's from Kevin. Pete Nance. <laughs> Kendrick Davis. <laughs> Key on Ted. Yeah, yeah he's Johnson. been big. I'll tell you, I, I watched I I had the privilege of watching a really good one uh last Saturday. Landers Nolly's still playing college basketball. And he was really good for since I'm glad his knee's okay, man, because the injury he had, what was it, a week and a half ago, I was like, Yeah, hey, no he's got an old man pump fake. Yeah, he does. He's got an old damn pump fake. He doesn't even have a little pump fake in him. Can we, get Tio's, can we get Tio's top three pump fakes in college basketball? Oh, yeah, that's what I want. Let's go. That's, that's a good one. I, I don't know who's after number one and number two. It's it's obviously Serge Barry Rice and Landers Dolly. I don't know who would qualify okay. after that. There's not a memorable pump fake, I guess. All right. Keep an eye on it. Down yeah, the stretch run of the season. I'd like that list. Anything yeah. else, Trevor? Quick one. Uh, what does Wisconsin have to do to Ten make seconds. the tournament? Beat Michigan. Right. Those teams played twice against each other. One of them sweeps. They're in. The other one's out. Here we go. We are back on the field of 68 after dark. It's been a wild show uh, where we have unearthed quite a few truths from each other. And gentlemen, I'm ready to throw the ball into your court now where you can tell me a take that I absolutely despise. I want to know the worst team that can make a Final Four genuinely in your mind, and you would not be surprised this season. We've talked a ton about how wide open the year is, so I don't want some team that's fringe top 25. I don't want some team that's competing for their conference title. I want a team that everyone's going to be shocked when they hear this answer, except for you because you believe in them for whatever reason. Uh, Rob, we're going to go to you first on this one and give us your team and then give us your explanation of why you can see them making a Final Four. So I have two. Overachiever. Yes, I'm pulling a T.O. I have two. Uh, the first one I'm going to go with is NC State. Um, I love teams that have guards that can make a play. 
and they got two of them. I don't know how many times they're going to go up against someone when they don't have the best backcourt on the floor. Uh, and both Jarkel Joyner, Terquavian Smith, I think you could even put Casey Morsell in that conversation. Like they can get you 15 or 20 in a given night. Um, Baby T can get you 25. Jarkel can get you 25. And they got the big fella, DJ Burns, who is a uh, a Cadillac. No. You post. know what DJ Burns is? What is he? He's a walking refrigerator with ballet feet. He's a Ford Aerostar minivan that gets buckets. Um, and my other one is, you guys are going to, I know you're going to hate this. Um, I just, I wish the people on Sirius XM would be able to see your reaction right now. It's Villanova. Oh, come on. Dude, it's what? Villanova. It's Villanova. That's Justin absurd. Moore. All right. Justin Rob's Moore done talking. Rob's done talking. So for mine, if I'm Justin going. Justin Moore gets uh, back to 100%. Hold I on, didn't let me, know. Let me let me, we let me make the point real quick. Justin Moore gets back to 100%. You got an all conference player in Justin Moore. You got an all conference player in Caleb Daniels. You got an all conference player in Are Eric they 500. You Are any of those guys picks. actually making an all conference team? You said this they've last night. They've all made they've all made all conference yeah, teams. Yeah, who they were years ago. Like how many are on the all-conference team this season? You are can't they be like more all-conference dudes. They've made all-conference teams. All they need Dude, is a they're, point they're guard. 10 and 13. Rob, go to sleep. <laughs> they're 10 and 13. You asked for the wrong, you asked for the worst team that can make it. They made it last year with four of those dudes. So are they winning out though? How are they getting the tournament? Yeah, winning they, the Big East tournament? Yeah, they're gonna go into the Big East tournament. They're gonna win it. And they're gonna they're gonna pull a pull a Yukon circa 2011. This Watch. team's way worse than that team was. All right, yeah. Dio, what's your answer? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's wild that they're that bad, too. It is wild. Four final four starters, and they're 10 and 13. This is bad. Yeah. Tio, what's your answer? Uh, I didn't know when you said worse to find worse. That was my – so I just kind of started going down the line of teams <laughs> on Kimpom, and I went all the way down to number 17. Oh, come on. Well, no. I thought it was a legitimate shot to to make a final four. So who's number 17? Oh TCU? Yeah. Unbelievable. TCU For the same the reason 10. you just picked NC State. But you picked a team that's been in the top 15 for like three months. <laughs> of what poll? Dude, I don't pay attention to what the AP says. Unbelievable. I don't pay attention to what the AP says. You don't pay attention to the net either. What are you what are we talking about? To? Villanova. They're 10 and 13. They're a bunch of world beaters. You're you supposed be to pick a bad team. That's the point. That's the point of the exercise. Well, I tell you what, you knocked that out of the park. You know what? You knocked that here's, out of the park. You know what? I'm, I'm going to amend my pick. Here's my new favorite. The worst team I think can make a Final Four, Purdue. <laughs> All right. Hey, I'll tell you what. I'll give you another one. I'll give you another one. I think Providence can make a Final Four. That's acceptable. Okay. That's I that's agree. much more. I think acceptable. Providence could make a final four. I think Jared Bynum's playing better. They've got guys from different spots that can score. Bryce Hopkins is really stinking good. That's a team that can make a final four. They're too if good for they this conversation, well. but I will accept that one. That's better than TCU. I will also accept that. I thought it was national. One. I thought it was worst team to win a national championship because I don't listen good. Eh, no, it was final four, as we said. <laughs> hey, you listen when I said that Pete Nance, that uh, Greg thought Pete Nance was better than Drew Timmy. You hey, heard that one no, loud. The and two clear. of you just absolved me because Villanova can make a final four and TCU is the worst team, are worse <laughs> takes than my Pete Nance take. Is was. Villanova uh, going to make the CIT this year, Doster? <laughs> no, hey, look, they I don't might even not think even they make qualify the for that. tournament at this rate, okay? But if they do, they're dangerous. They might get demoted to D2 if we went by soccer rules. I would bet that Villanova goes like two and six down the stretch. I don't know how many games they have, but uh, that team's not good. All right. You guys can flame my final answer. We have less than a minute left. I'm pretty sure. 
I'm going Penn State. They got to get in. But if they get in, like four of their five Big Ten wins this year have all been by double digits is because they just catch fire. They go nuclear. Jalen Pickett's best player on the floor, 40% shooters everywhere. I could see it happening. I'm not not mad at that. I don't hate that one. Guys, that's how a game's supposed to work, just for the record. I mean, come on. We spelled this out pretty clearly. What are we doing? Hey, right you know now? what I think? You know what I think, Rob? I think DePaul can make the final four. <laughs> you know, I think Butler's a lock to make it, baby. Oh, my God. All right. We put our <laughs> listeners through enough tonight. Thank you seriously to anyone who made it through 58 minutes of this nonsense. Uh, This was the Field of 68 After Dark. We had Rob Doster. We had Terrence Oglesby. My name is Greg Waddell. And we're going to jump over to the Field of 68 YouTube channel for the afters, where we'll be taking your questions and talking about more horrible teams that can win national titles. We'll see you tomorrow night on After Dark. And you're clear. Maryland Eastern Shore is a 16 seed, has a better shot at getting to a Final <laughs> Four than freaking building over. God, man. That's a wild take, boy. We have a plan. Rob, do you like taking wild takes? Rob, I know, I know you're a family man now. That's an awesome thing. But, like, are, were you the guy who, like, old girlfriends would break up with you and, like, four years later you're just reminiscing about what was? I feel True. like that's you with these Villanova players right now. Like, you're, these guys haven't been – who they are in 12 calendar months. And you're like, they're all conference guys. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, yeah. That's, exa- that's, exactly, that's exactly who I am. <laughs> that's exactly that's what horrible. I'm doing. I don't reminisce about the old flames. I don't really have that many old flames. Oh, a couple. You trapped yours, didn't you? <laughs> kind of, yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. All right, what we got, Dagan? I'm not going to go further into that. It's one. Trevor for it's the record. Trevor. Damn it. Save well, the show. Well, Dagan's talking shit in, the the in our text line. Save the show, Trevor. This show is. Wow. Um, does T.O. like. Easy, Nance. Does T.O. like the net, the RPI, or Ken Palm more? Ken Palm. No doubt. <laughs> no doubt. Ken Palm, without question. Makes Power rank them. Power rank them. Uh, but what, what, what's the third? What's the other ones? Kim Palm, the RPI net, who else? net. All right, so I'm going Kim Palm one, RPI two, uh, the AP poll three, <laughs> USA Today four, um, whatever my son Damon likes next, and then the freaking net. Is the is the Goodman top twenty five above or below the? Net? Oh, oh, it's it's light years above the net. Where's Torrey? Light years. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. The Goodman twenty five. The field of. 68, a.k.a. the Greg Waddell top 25. (laughs) And then the net. The net sucks. (laughs) It just sucks. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, what else, Trev? What what else, Trev? Here's an interesting one from our esteemed producer, Dagan Hughes. If you made a tournament with all of the worst teams in the country, who would be the final four? Like who's the best? Villanova. Who's the best? <laughs> like who would be the best teams in a field of bad teams? That I feel like that's basically like what's the NIT Final Four, right? Just whoever's not going to make the tournament qualifies for this. I mean, he said the worst. Or like, I guess we gotta we gotta define the bar of the worst because I want my Wolverines to win something, man. <laughs> they got a shot. They could win the NIT this year. I they think you would end up. 
Bethune Cookman would beat VMI. You got to put Stanford in that mix too. Stanford's terrible. Yeah, but they've got they've got some players that'll overwhelm. You know what? You know what would be you know would be fascinating if we had Cal. a matchup in the Final Four: Stanford against Cal, Georgetown. Ba- yep, Florida Georgetown. State. Yeah, Battle of the Mid. See, I will call it Battle for the Bottom. Can we make bowl games a thing in college basketball? Like, I'd love to just pair two shitty teams that aren't going to play a postseason tournament together for that reason. Just so you could bet on it. Yeah, tell me, <laughs> like everybody would love that. Well, all right. So give me your give me your top three matchups, like shitty team matchups. It's got to be teams with backstories, right? The same we- reason Kentucky North Carolina makes sense for the play in. We need we need backstories. Louisville. In Georgetown. Louisville, Iona. Oh, that's a good one. Iona just gets to beat the shit out of Louisville. That's a good one. I'm not yeah. bad at that one at all. The Rick Patino revenge game? Yeah. You know, how do you you don't like that one? I do like that one. Oh, okay. I thought you said I, don't <laughs> I, like I, I think Iona's pretty good. I, I thought there was two bad teams. Yeah, was, that's true. Yeah. Touche. Fair point. Give me Nebraska in any of those games. Um, somebody asked, did you guys see the way Milwaukee won tonight and who they lost or lost tonight and who they lost to? Yes. Yes. What are your thoughts on that? Crazy. Crazy. I mean, that's, I'm kind of sad for them, honestly, from my side. Like, I don't like seeing teams at the mid-major level that are actually pretty good, essentially eliminate themselves immediately (laughs) from like a special season and i feel like like you can't lose to a team that's that low nationally uh what their third win in the season for green bay i actually like this milwaukee team i've watched them a little bit this year would root for them now that i mean obviously they had to win the conference tournament anyway but that's a pretty crushing loss will wants to know who stands to benefit more tomorrow from a win kentucky or arkansas uh kentucky no doubt about it. Arkansas is in the tournament if it started today, comfortably. I don't know if it's going to stay that way, but they're in the like they're comfortably in the tournament. Kentucky needs wins. They need to just like stack up these these low Q one Q two victories just to kind of say we have look at, look at everything that we have right now. They need to create as many arguments as possible for people to ignore the fact that they lost to fucking South Carolina. Kentucky needs it more. It's at Kentucky, right? Yeah. Is that rough? Yeah. Kentucky needs it more. Rob, I disagree, Tio? Yeah. Yeah. I got nothing against it. It's just two mediocre SCC teams. I'm not sure. <laughs> Battle of the mid. Uh, Rob, Brady wants you to have a to do a 10-minute motivational speech for Andre Jackson. I'm just gonna be play, like, you don't, he doesn't need a speech. You just like go watch clips of you dunking all over people's fucking faces. All you got to do. He actually played pretty well against Georgetown, I thought, in the second half. Like, he made a lot of really big plays, big hustle plays. Primo Spears came into the game, second in the Big East in scoring, took one shot, I believe, right? He just needs to major into minors. He needs to do everything else but score. Well, the, he's 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 got the – it's the Dewan Harris thing. Teams don't guard him, and it's now – it's completely in his head. Here's my, here's my counter to that, like – I used to play because a guy. Now this is when I was young, young, and a guy named Dale Clayton, who's a former coach, and now he does a bunch of stuff for um, 
uh, nation of coaches or whatever. And I, I had to guard a guy and I backed up because I was like, dude, I got no shot of guarding this cat if I have to get up on him because he was seven years older than me or something. And I was in middle school or early middle school, fifth, sixth grade, something like that. And I just backed up because all that's doing is giving him a running start. <laughs> like, so there's something to be said there too. Why doesn't he just attack anyway? He, he should. Um, it's, I'm telling you, it's, yeah. that's what he was doing at the start of the season. And now it's gotten to the point where like, he's questioning what he's doing. And if you're, if you're going to be a driver like that, like you can't, can't question it. You can't think about it. Like you got to just go. You got to just play off your instincts, and he's not playing off his instincts. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like he's, yeah, he's, he's thinking about what the next move is going to be. He's thinking about, all right, they're not guarding me. Do I want to shoot this? No, I don't want to shoot this. I, I miss everything. Am I going to drive? Okay, I guess I'm going to drive. So we'll kind of half-ass it, and they'll jump up and charge into somebody. It just they got to find ways to keep him engaged and keep the defender engaged without. If you're going to mess up, just mess up at 100 miles an hour. Yes. That's my biggest thing. Like that's how you get that's how you get out of slumps. Like, mm -hmm. dude, you're just gonna embrace the fact that you're gonna screw up. And sometimes it's gonna look really bad. It's gonna look really ugly. But damn it, do it hundred miles an hour. That's what I tell my son all the time. Just do it hundred miles an hour. If you mess up, that's fine. We'll fix it. Or mm -hmm. the same thing with him. Like cut hard. Cut it, cut it hundred miles an hour. Pass it, cut through it hundred miles an hour. The rest of it, the, the ball find the the ball finds energy. Tell a hey, Greg. Tell T.O. who your uh, your seventh most likely team to win a national title is. Oh, God. Do I have to? Yeah, tell him. Xavier. No, seventh. That was you have Xavier. UConn above Xavier? I have UConn sixth. <laughs> yeah. He's a Husky, man. All right. They're good exactly. team, man. He also, tried team. To, he also tried to trade Drew Timmy for Pete Nance. So <laughs> okay. Like, all right. All right. All right. Grain of salt that, that, you know what? All of a sudden, all my confidence in Greg's take is completely gone out the window. Heel, baby. Hey, Rob, speaking of uh, my takes, you want to know the only thing I bet responsibly at Bet Rivers today? What's that? Jalen Wilson over 18 and a half points. <laughs> he had two, ladies and gentlemen. Trevor, what else we got? <laughs> and they won. <laughs> well, imagine, like, imagine thinking that they would have won when he had two points. That's insane. Here's a great a one life from Will. This is for T.O. <clears throat> if Tio had to choose between becoming Jeff Goodman's personal hype man or using the net to entirely guide his basketball thinking, how many seconds would it take before he retired? <laughs> First of all, I would be Jeff Goodman's hype man because I have that kind of energy. I could do that. But they can't hold you, Jeff. Keep keep throwing those takes at them. Keep keep posting all those all those tweets and all those pundits. Yeah, keep Jeff, going. take pictures of that TV set. Everybody <laughs> wants to know what you think about the people that are on the ESPN. The people need right now. to know what you're eating in Charleston, Jeff. The people need to know. <laughs> you know what? Just stay down there another month. You yeah. need to live your best life. Yeah. You've worked really hard in your life. You're an empty you nester. You're an empty nester. There's nothing holding you in Boston. It's minus 50 up there. <laughs> You're an empty nester. It's, it's not nice to just get that second dessert. You know what? Get a third dessert too. Get a third dessert because you've, 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 you've already had ordered a hard day. You've had a hard day doing nothing. You've had a hard day sitting on your ass. You deserve it. You've earned that fourth banana pudding of the week. Hey, dude, we say all that when we were in Texas, and he's like, "I think I want that dessert. Oh, that one looks good too." I was like, "Jeff, are you gonna get two dessert? Two desserts?" He goes. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's his thing. That's what he gets. He gets two desserts every time we go out to eat. He's like, you know, I'm on keto. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to be healthy. I'm so, trying to lose some weight. And then he's like, yeah, you know what? Let me get the banana pudding and the chocolate cream pie. And the triple fudge chocolate cake. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we can move on. That was a good, who asked that question? Uh, <laughs> who asked that, was, that question? That was Will. Yeah, there you go, Will. Shout out, Will. Good uh, job, Will. What team that isn't supposed to make the tournament is going to steal a bid and get in? Uh, I, I mean, the two that I've kind of been trending towards, you're going to hate the first one, Villanova. The other one is Florida State. Two teams that are well, getting uh, So back. they would win the ACC. Yeah, that's that's kind of the. the I'm gonna the I'm, I'm gonna be rough on you right here. They, they they're not gonna. That's not gonna happen. The, with Florida State, yeah, yeah, they're not very good. They made they looked they looked okay for a little while. They beat some teams. no consistent point guard play at all, and they have a couple of guys that just don't do winning things. Just not gonna happen. Rob, do you have one that would like not need to win their conference tournament that could qualify for this? Because I feel like. Those are long shots you're throwing out there, man. Yeah, but like, so what do you? I mean, what do you? What are you thinking, though? Like I mean, a bubble team, like uh, someone that can win a couple games, like a like below the Indiana. bubble. Like I'm, I'm gonna sound homery, but I genuinely think Michigan might. That, and they're nowhere what, close. Oh, you're now. telling me that Hunter Dickinson is gonna decide to start playing in March and all of a sudden turn into Hunter fucking Dickinson again? Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me at all. Hey, Hunter, Hunter's, Hunter hasn't been terrible, guys. Yeah, it's 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 been the pieces around him. You know what it is? He stopped talking all that shit on his podcast. He got better. Mm-hmm. Did happen a little bit. Not gonna lie. Um, you know who? I can't believe I'm about to say this. I really don't want to say this, but I'm gonna say it anyway. Um, if Seton Hall figures it out, <laughs> I agree. They, hey. they got they got a bunch of length and a bunch of athleticism. And they got a guy in Kadari Richmond that can kind of take over and be a dude. And they got some shooters. Like it's the issue isn't the talent on the roster. They've won. There's the talent on that them. roster. Yeah, there's talent on that roster. They've won like eight out of ten. They kind of figured it out. What about uh, Virginia Tech's another one? I think. Yeah, that's a good one. If they're able to sneak in, I can see that. I think they're close. Are they? Were they on our? Were they one of the – I think they were one of the first four out, right? Yes. At bubble range. Were they one of the first four out for us? Yes. Yeah. They're, they'll – They hit a, four, they had a four-game skid whenever Couture got hurt. Yeah. And they'll, like that, that was a huge portion of that because he's their best on-ball defender. He hits some big shots. He shoots, at, he shoots it at the end of games. Like, it's not a huge average guy, but he just means so much for that team. Yeah. So, they're 4-8 they're and eight in the ACC right now. This is what they have left. Boston College, Notre Dame, Georgia Tech, Pitt at home, Miami at home, at Duke, Louisville, Florida State. So, like, they could very easily win seven of those. Yeah. You win seven of those, and one of them is Miami at home or at Duke, like, you're you're probably looking at getting in if you're Virginia Tech. I got that uh, Virginia Tech at Notre Dame game Saturday. I'm on that game. Ooh, nice. It'll be a fun one. What about Wake Forest? Tyree, I feel like there's like great. 17 teams in the ACC that we could that like fit this. Yeah, of. that's so true. Yeah, they're wakes off the bubble right now. I think though they got work to do, but I would love to see Apple be in. We'll see Forbes. 
Yeah, true. All right, Trevor, let's get two more if we got them. If Purdue loses in the round of 32, they lost to fill-in-the-blank team. Ooh, I like this question. So uh, according to the fielding of 68? So that would be an 8-9. Yeah, so like Arkansas, New Mexico, Florida Atlantic, USC. NC State. State. NC State. Oh, NC State yeah. Think about that guard matchup. And it's not like they need a ton of pick and rolls. And DJ Burns put that body on Zach Eady. He might be the only guy that's just like his big sideways. You know what? There's a lot of teams on the eight and nine that I think could get them. Like if we're talking guards that would just need to eat up Smith and Lawyer and put Eady in spots where he needs to guard in space, like Arkansas could do that. New Mexico could do that. NC State could do that. There's a lot of teams there that. And then if scare you, me a little bit. If you look at like the seven and the ten line, too, if you want to go down that far for teams that are kind of in that same conversation, you got Providence as a seven seed, you got Creighton as a seven seed, you got West uh, West Virginia as a ten seed. There's some there's some good teams. Even, hey, even well, no, never mind. I thought about it. I thought better of it. What? I really like that um, that Northwestern guard combo, but not against Purdue. They wouldn't. They wouldn't put them in the second round. You can't have a big no, ten no, team. No, no, no. But, but do uh, do Auburn any of, has two guards. Auburn's on that seven line. Do any of those groups, or or I guess what team that we just named that we like the backcourts of has the most applicable front court? Like who has some bodies they could throw at Edie? Any Creighton. of those? Creighton. Yeah, it's, it's, Providence has a bunch of different guys I could just kind of throw at them. I don't think anybody. The problem with them. Providence and Creighton is I I I don't expect their seats to go down. Those are two teams where I expect their seats to go yeah. up as the season yeah, progresses. Yeah, I agree with that. To me, like to me, the the very obvious one is NC State. Like they got guards that can pressure you. They try to force turnovers. They got a big body that can kind of do as well as you're going to do against Zach Eady. Um, yeah, I, I think. I think it's NC State, although I don't love the idea. Let me ask you this, T.O. If you're trying to beat Purdue, is the best way to do it to try to go big for big with Zach Eady and try to slow him down? Or do you just want someone that can stretch him out and hope that you tire him out, making him chase somebody around on defense that can shoot threes, putting him in ball screen actions and hoping that he gets I wouldn't even put him in ball screen actions because he's shown to be really good in ball screen defense playing that drop coverage and he's still seven five i would go along the lines of what st peter's bunch of staggers where he his guy is the last screener yeah i like that you know what i'm saying because then yes. you're flying off they're gonna have to trail and then you've got a head of steam and if your guys are screening well at all like you're gonna get some open shots because whenever they set a stagger away he's sitting in that paint like he's way down in there mm-hmm uh, and then the reason I would also like NC State is because you don't necessarily need a ball screen for Jarkel Joyner or Traquavia Smith. Like, those dudes can just do it without one. And there's really not that many guys that can do it without a ball screen. Not this like, year. Yeah. It, but those two can. Those two can. And, you know, DJ Burns, that's a big boy now. Walking refrigerator with ballerina feet, I'm telling you. Like, he's a, he's a nice player. He can only play about 25 minutes. That's the only kind of drawback of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I would just add, I would want some team that would be, and I guess any team could do this, but I would want a team that I think has a reasonable shot of putting pressure on Edie not to foul. Because 
Yeah, look, he does a great job not fouling in the Big Ten. His foul rate is incredibly low. I know that's been a conversation with Purdue fans. Um, but I thought Trace, like, that was part of the game in the Indiana game, right? It was Indiana was able to separate in the first half because Edie got two. Um, he's only had three games, I think, this year that he's had three fouls since, like, the beginning of December. Two of them were losses. One of them was Michigan. That was a pretty hard game to do. Yeah, hard to do. Hard but I think, like, that – it feels like that's going to come up at some point in the NCAA tournament. So if you've got yeah. – You know what would be fascinating? What would be utterly fascinating – and I hope the NCAA can find a way to pull this off. Imagine if we talked about UNC and Kentucky, right? How they're both kind of on that playing game line. Imagine if we get like UNC Purdue in the second round of the NCAA tournament. Or Zach Eady, Oscar Shibway in the second round of the NCAA tournament. That'd be insane. Sign me up for that. You would you would see how small Oscar Shibway really is. <laughs> yeah, dude. It's so, like if you think about it. Oscar Sheway standing next to Zach Eady is quite literally T.O. standing next to Oscar Sheway. Yeah. That's the size difference. That's yeah. terrifying. <laughs> that is terrifying. Uh, all right, Trevor, one final one if we got it, and then we'll wrap. Uh, let's see. Do you guys think the Mountain West is legitimately a deeper conference than the Pac-12? No. Elaborate. I, I think that once you get to like team seven, eight, nine, the Pac-12 is is like kind of pretty much way better than the Mountain West. I think the top of the, the Pac-12 is better. I think if you look at who's the third best team, that's probably where you're like the third and fourth best team kind of conversation. But then again, you know, do you like a Boise State more than a USC? Do you like a Nevada more than Arizona State? More than Arizona State. I don't know if I like Boise State more than USC. Pac-12 isn't very good, but, like, you still got Pac-12 players in the Pac-12. I don't know about that one. Yeah. I don't know about that one. Because well, it goes you down see, about you guys USC. can sit here and hype up the Mountain West if you want. I'll remind you that they uh, – how many games did they win in the NCAA tournament? No, they went 0-4. I'm with you. I, I didn't think they okay. should have gotten that many bids. Okay. Do you remember when – Oregon State went from, uh, what were they, like the nine seed in the Pac-12 tournament, and they ended up making, was it the Elite Eight, something like that? Yeah, and they signed Wayne Tankle to a lifetime deal. Yeah, I remember that. Do you remember that? Yeah. I remember that. I remember uh, the, the problem is if you stacked up every single team in both of these conferences, the two worst would be in the Pac-12 this year, though. Cal and Oregon State. Those are bad basketball teams, Rob. Like we can't we can't sit here and say it falls off a cliff in the Mountain West when those two teams exist. Shrug. That's all like, I get. Every team's got bad teams at the bottom. Maybe the Mountain West are like marginally less bad. There's everywhere else the Pac-12 is better. Okay. All right. Yeah, you got me. You know what? The eleventh and twelfth teams in the Pac-12 are worse than the bottom of the Mountain West. Nobody gives a shit about any of those teams. <laughs> no one. No one sitting here right now. No one in the chat. N- none of us have watched a single game for Cal for Oregon State, for anybody at the bottom of the mountain. Like, what are we talking about? Once you get past, like, the top eight of any league, it doesn't count anymore. No one, hey, no one cares. I, I love me some Hunter Maldonado, okay? Maybe I'm just a sicko for that, but. Well, I only player. fell off a cliff, huh? Fun player. Uh, all right, let's get to toast of the night. And Rob Doster himself said pre-show, if anybody steals my toast, I'm going to yes. be so mad 
So in hopes that that might happen, T.L., go ahead, go first for us. What do you got tonight? Me or you want Rob to go ahead? I, go, I, want, uh, I want you first. <laughs> uh, Norchad Omier hit his first two threes of the season. <laughs> really expanding out his game in a route. Uh, guys, I had doubts as far as, you know, how he was going to fit into a, a heightened level of play because he overwhelmed people physically at his previous spot. Now he's still overwhelming people physically at 6'7", which is amazing to say. Uh, Norchad Omier. I don't know why Omier is so hard for me to say. I want to no, say you counted, you counted how many times Duke missed a layup today in the game. I'm going to go through and count how many different ways you pronounce that. Dude's no, I've said it right. I've said it right. I just freaking, it makes me, I, I just don't like the, it's hard name for me. I don't know. Omier. <laughs> it's just so unnatural. So well, you, you pronounce tear tire. So, you know, you yeah, you can't, I'll never live you that can't be down. trusted. With He's a top tire guy. Top tire, <laughs> top tire. Um, all right. I am going to the city of Green Bay. Freddie Owens, his fourth game as the interim head coach at Green Bay for the Phoenix. They are 362nd on Ken Palm. Uh, he is a Milwaukee native. He goes into his hometown, and he picks up a win over a team that was playing for first place in the horizon. Uh, obviously, David Ziegler um, hit the game-tying three and hit the game-winning shot, so shouts to him or whatever, but... Freddie Owens, man, interim head coach, finding a way to get it done. Cheers to you. Never easy to be the substitute teacher in that situation. Uh, and I always like to see those guys succeed. Rooting for him. Hope he gets the job. Find a way to get it done. Wisconsin guy. Wisconsin grad, too. So uh, doing that in your home state, in your home city, always fun to see. That's my toast of the night. That's big. It's a good toast. I was not going to steal that for the record. Um, if I were capable of saying nice things about Kansas – I would give my toast to Dewan Harris, who I've publicly criticized for months and was fantastic tonight. But I'm going to go a different direction. I'm going to go to the most impactful thing in college basketball tonight, guys. That's Jim Laranaga's pockets tonight, boys, because he taught a little lesson to the Cameron crazies themselves tonight that they got to get their money up a little bit. Because when you're Duke, when you're John Shire, when you're the brotherhood at this stage, this season, post-Coach K era, when you hit the transfer portal for a player, you're looking at Ryan Young, Jacob Grandison. Cool. Let's see where we can fit those guys in. When you're Jim Laranega's pockets, you're getting Norchad Omier and Nigel Pack. Cheers to you. Not his pockets. Well, that's <laughs> his friend of a friend's pocket. It wasn't his, his life wallet. Is that what you're saying? It wasn't the money didn't come from his life wallet, T.O.? Is that what you're saying? Is that what, what I'm hearing? Am I, am I hearing that saying? right? His life wallet. Mm -hmm. Is his life pockets. wallet even a physical wallet? It's not. No. His pockets were stacked tonight. You saw the clip. All mm -hmm. right, boys. Uh, fun episode as always. Why did I, hey, hold on. Why did I think when he said I, I always I always have ten? I thought he was going to say like hundred dollar bills in his pocket, like Eldon Campbell used to have a hundred dollar bill out of his sock. I thought that's where he was going with that. Yeah, that's what I was but expecting too. And it's like I have ten throat lozenges. Like what? <laughs> That's, that is a strange thing to have. That is weirdly specific. <laughs> yeah, honestly, the fact that none of us pressed him for a follow-up on that missed opportunity for the Field of 68 Network. Uh, all right, shout out to everybody in the chat. We appreciate you. We got some good questions tonight in the afters. Thank you for rocking with us all evening long. We will be back tomorrow night uh, for Rob Doster, for Terrence Oglesby, for producer Trevor. My name is Greg Waddell, and we'll see you tomorrow night on After Dark.